2: Grass-fed beef raised on California's Central Coast. Available seasonally at select Whole Foods markets. Learn more at hearstranch.com.
3: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on Earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com.
4: So, you don't charm the, the devil with your rock, rock and roll load. No. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The oh. devil his in that rhythm and blues that It's gonna get you son
5: in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte.
1: I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Happy Valentine's hey, Day, guys. What a sweetheart. I it know. is Valentine's Day. <laughs>
6: That's all I have to say about it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I don't really I was, know exactly anything
5: about Valentine's Day. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about it either. I mean, uh, we're gonna, you know, and I hate—I do hate to say this, but like, um, you know, my wife Jamie and I—we're gonna—we're gonna be cooking dinner at home this year, and we're not going out. I, I've realized over the years, both as a, a bar and restaurant owner and as a patron of bars and restaurants, it's not really the greatest holiday to go out on because. It's it's kind of like New Year's in a way because, you know, there's a prefix menu and, you know, the, the staff is unfamiliar with it and it, the service is choppy and it's like reservations are stacked in a certain way. It's kind of turn and burn. So
6: it kind of takes expectations are overblown. Exactly. Like there's a lot of like exactly. too much pressure.
1: Yeah. I don't know. You know, here's, here's my whole thing about Valentine. Here comes great. Like, he loves like, love. Loves <laughs> I do. I do. And, and, but, but more than that, I hate performative cynicism. And like, that's the major thing that I hate about this holiday is all these people, all the predictable posts of like, this is just a holiday by Hallmark to like sell ads. Just like, shut up. Like, don't choose to be miserable. Don't choose to be cynical. Like take the W guys, like take a chance yeah, to exactly. go to someone that you care about and be like, Hey, you're awesome. Let's do something fun and then mash our funny bits together. I don't know. However yeah. you well, want to phrase that little script I just gave you, take it. But like, yeah, I mean, take I that? But just I, a miserable fuck about it. That's all I'm saying.
6: Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. actually, on the cynicism part. People always say it's a Hallmark holiday, And then I re- I respond to them by saying they all are. We, right. we, we made them all up, you know, like we made up Christmas, like whatever. We made it up. Uh, so the, that that argument seems pointless to me. Yeah, there's a, a um,
5: guy in a red suit that uh, breaks into your home and eats <laughs> your cookies and like then leaves <laughs> gifts like. that what that's not real i mean come on
1: I mean, and keep in mind he was a rebrand from the demon that would come into your home and uh put you in his sack and smack you around if you didn't do what you were told so you know it's just all it's all on a spectrum guys is what i'm saying yeah yeah god (laughs) called Krampus into his office at one point it's like look you're doing a great job we're just rebranding here yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) go another direction take the opportunity to to rebrand valentine's day like Have fun. I have two straight friends. I don't know if they still do this. This was like in college, but like they always made a habit of cooking like a super elaborate at least three course meal. And then they would like light a bunch of candles and just eat it in like one of the bathroom stalls. Like it was just I don't know (laughs) why, but it was just something funny and stupid they decided to do. And I think that's great. Like find something that makes you happy with another human being and just do that today.
6: Yeah. I've got a great example of of someone taking taking the piss out of valentine's day you know our friend jamie uh, boudreau who owns canon in seattle every year he stations 24 i think it is i don't know why the number is 24 uh squirt guns around the bar and uh, everyone is encouraged to if they see any public displays of affection fire at will
5: <laughs> that's uh are they it's full a yearly of tradition mezcal? out
6: there and <laughs> i think it's one of the better ones in the bar world um
1: that's that could be great. That could be great for the people engaging in the public display of affection too, if they're into that. That's a good. Hey, huh? That's one of those everybody wins types of situations. Yeah. I, I support yeah. it. Uh,
6: speaking of goofy, funny things, uh, before we get to our guest uh, who might also be goofy and funny, um, <laughs> did you see this video that's going around with uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Boy George, and
5: Keith? Uh, Keith,
6: my I, I don't know his full name.
5: Yeah, um, yeah. Well, like, I think he has some thoughts on that, right?
6: I mean, I saw it and immediately I I laughed. I thought it was funny. Um, I think so. It's a it's a parody of, you know, quote unquote, mixologists uh, with the waxed mustaches and the sleeve stays and the suspenders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I thought it was funny. First of all, I will say this. I I'm going to say at least 50 people have sent it to me. So, I've seen it, guys.
1: I don't need it anymore. No um, one sent it to me, Souther. I'm just, I don't know what that yeah. says about you. Happy Valentine's Day. But, yeah. Uh,
6: <laughs> um, and I, I thought it was funny, but I responded kind of the same to everyone, which is to say, like, this is funny, but it seems literally 15 years too late. Right. You know? But then that made me think, and that's what we were talking about off air. Is that just my living in the bubble that we live in, the sort of like very, very, very small percentage of people who deal with quote unquote craft cocktails? is the rest of the country just now to that phase that, you know, I, I, you know, the bar that I ran 15 years ago, we wore sleeve stays and, you know, I I never had a mustache to wax, but, uh, but I'm sure I probably would have if I did, you know, um, it, it, you know, it feels like it's 15 years too late to me, but is that just because New York city is 15 years ahead? Are we living in the future is what I'm asking. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I think,
5: I think that's part of it. I mean, you know, well, New York city is its own kind of bubble, right. And it's a, it's probably the most transiting city, uh, and, in the world uh i would say because everything happens in new york city but um I, you know some of the other parodies were just kind of ahead of time like uh the uh, shit shit make solid, you say that kind of main thing video that was going on but then also portlandia had yep. a bit where like amy sandberg uh did right right egg, uh, egg, egg whites you know, and like, yellows and chills yeah that was the and second chills.
1: episode of that show too yeah
5: some some homemade bitters that I made myself, you know, like all that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, the bit's kind of, it's kind of worn out a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, you know, our favorite city, Des Moines, Iowa, uh, you know, maybe that's like just happened in there. I don't know, you know. Sure.
6: Maybe that that's what it called into question for me. Maybe maybe there are spots in the country where that's just now the thing. And so, you know, and, as much as we like to think of ourselves as the center of everything. And I, I don't just mean us here in New York. I mean, everyone thinks of themselves as kind of the center. We're not right. Time, time has a different, um, you know, position for other places. So I don't know. I thought it was hilarious though. A really funny. Well done. Yeah. Uh, the, the cameo from boy George is brilliant. He sings about, uh, uh, beer, you know, so the, the, the two guys are going on about, you know, all the, <laughs> all the lavender and, uh, you know, pomegranate and whatever they're using in the cocktails. And then it cuts to boy George and he goes, you know, he's singing about how we only have IPAs. You know, that's the only. <laughs>
5: that's that's <laughs> um, the funniest part of that whole thing. I mean, oh, Oh, one hundred
6: percent. And and the yeah. that that slow wash realization that that was Boy George was also the the real trick to the video. I think, like, I, you know, yeah. at first you are like, who's this dude? And you are like, holy shit, I think that's Boy George.
5: <laughs> Especially talking about like you know beer nerd shit. You know, that's that's yeah, like that's exactly. brilliant really so casting. So that, that's that's why that video exists. It's it's all about Boy George talking about IPAs. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. OK,
1: well, I'm 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 sold. I I need to watch this. And speaking of interesting people to watch. Yes. Joining us in the studio today, we have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nailed it today. Uh, we've got yeah. Elliot Clark, <laughs> the apartment bartender. Uh, Elliot, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you all having me on. I'm excited. Hey, you? You? Thanks for Absolutely. zooming in
6: from just outside of Denver. Right. Yes, sir.
1: So I got to ask, is this your apartment that we're looking at?
7: This is like the apartment in my house. I'm in the basement. I'm uh I'm I'm dad at home, so I'm I'm the basement troll. I kind of like have my little corner and nook here. Uh and so this whole area like the little common area out there. I wish I could flip the screen and show you guys I have my my home bar out there and uh you know, it's kind of set up as like my little zone. So it's it's nice. It's uh my little private apartment in the house. It's so funny, because, like I gotta say, you know, like for you guys, especially
5: living in New York City still, and me living out here in the Bay Area, it's like to say that you have an apartment in a house is like this kind of like paradox <laughs> yeah. that, that like that I don't think you can actually fully compute it, right? <laughs> it's like no, there are certain things uh, that happen outside of the city, just like you were talking about right. before with the uh, yeah. the video um so. Go ahead, Greg. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, I just thought that
1: was kind of a funny thing. <laughs> no, totally. And and honestly, like my it was like my brain experienced a glitch in the matrix when you said that. You're exactly <laughs> right, David, because it was like yeah. a apartment inside of what can you do that? Yeah, I don't know this is like a <laughs> that's a guitarist It's just bending the fabric of space and time. Anyway, that was a that was a Doctor Who reference for the kids. Um yeah. I was I was gonna ask how you how you kind of got into creating uh, a bar inside of an apartment inside of your house, which I assume is inside of an even bigger house.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a great question. Uh,
7: well, it definitely all started in an apartment. I started in a shitty apartment. I lived in uh, Phoenix. I grew up in Phoenix, originally from Chicago. Um, but several years back, probably about like 2015, I actually went to New York. Um, I had taken a Cocktails 101 class and just – I was lacking a creative outlet in my, my life at the time. I, you know, I think what's unique about my story is that I've never been employed behind a bar. You know, I've always been a patron and always enjoyed, you know um, you know, similar to like the, the, the video that we're, we're talking about now, you know, I always thought it was kind of cool to like be at the bar and, you know, see the clear ice being chipped and the old fashioned and, you know, the, the garnish and all that stuff. I always thought that that was cool. Um, I was very much in my vodka soda phase, living in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't know if you guys have been there. Um, oh yeah, Scottsdale—that's the yeah. vodka soda capital of the world, actually.
5: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Uh, they have like two, uh, like,
7: like four hundred
5: golf courses there, probably. Um,
7: yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, after, after, you know, getting into the, into cocktails at home, you know, at that point in time, I had a roommate that drank anything and everything you put in front of him along that same like timeline. I, I really enjoyed photography and just taking pictures of drinks, um, started posting them on Instagram because that was like the easiest place to kind of keep a log of recipes. And, you know, what I found in doing that was just a community of people that really appreciate the craft um, you know on social media at that point in time, this is 2016 you know influencer marketing wasn't really a thing. it wasn't I mean the term influencer wasn't a thing so i'm I'm happy to say that I started pre the word influencer because um, i I have mixed feelings about that word um, but as far do, as
6: do the folks in your in your segment of this industry now I think it's now it's it's a segment for sure. Do they struggle with the word influencer like I think the three of us struggle with the word mixologist?
7: um you know i think i you know i think it's like 50 50 i feel like influencer is one of those things that is is a descriptor right of like when people say what do you do for a living it's just easier to say influencer because i think now people grasp like you create social media content and monetize on that um you know in a certain niche but I think for certain types of influencers, similar to mixologists, right? Like I think it, I think there is something pure behind that word in the sense of like you know, in, and I don't need to break down mixology to do you guys, but you know I think there's something pure behind it. But the way it's uh, like that that video is comedic. The way that it's presented is really douchey, you know. Yeah. And so there there are. And that certainly is the case in some aspects, but I think influencer is very much that way. Like when you think influencer, I feel like there's a certain image that comes to mind of an influencer and the people that I roll around with, you know, who are, I perceive to be like true creatives and stuff like that, that actually are influential people um, in their field. I have a different definition of what influencers in my mind than what probably the masses think of influencer when they, you know, I think when people think influencers, they think like influencers in the wild, like setting up their cameras and doing all this goofy stuff for likes and comments and, and for views and being willing to basically sell their soul for, for social media attention, which, uh, again, I have a different, uh, I have a different view of, of what it is, but Yeah, I I think that's a really good comparison, Southern, of like (laughs) the way bartenders and people in the industry view mixologists and the way that social media creatives or people that create content, you know, view the word influencer. It's very polarizing, for sure. Yeah, it clear. it
6: is. Uh, I think a lot of stuff in our field is pretty polarizing, but uh, terminology uh, certainly gets people's hackles up. Um, I, I kind of interrupted you there in talking about your trail, but I wanted to go, go even a step back. You know, you said you were hanging out with your friend who would drink, quote, anything you put in front of him, uh, and you were taking photos. So, is that where you are? Is that where you were headed? Where you were you headed down the road of being a photographer? What were you? Because you said you never worked behind a bar. What were you doing that, that sort of pointed you this way?
7: Yeah, I was actually an account manager at Yelp. So in the day, I was getting oh,
0: shit you. on by. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs>
7: oh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. You're brave soul.
1: I was. Uh, I'm so for, sorry we uh, all had that reaction at the same
7: time, but <laughs> we had to. We <laughs> had to do it. That's, that's what I did <laughs> for a living. I got, I got shit on for a living.
5: Uh, <laughs> well, you definitely needed a drink.
7: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the funny thing about Yelp was like. Being an account manager, you know, when the when the sales team would like sell the thing, I would help set up the profiles and um, it was a very, very repetitive job, um, but we had no control over reviews or anything. And so we kind of had this script that we would say. And so like when you would speak to a business owner about a review that stuck on their page, like say somebody went and like shit on like their hot dogs, right? And they're like, Hey, you know, can you take this down? And we had a script as far as no, you know, can't take it down. Um, you know, that's what, what open up the gates for like them to just go off on you. Cause you're the only person that they can go off right. on, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, you have no control, but just it, it, you know, and you also can't say anything back. You also can't hang up on them. So you just sit there and you take it, uh, right. So not not long after that, I was like, you know, I'm going to switch. So then I got into, I went to a software company and I was in phone sales, which wasn't any better, you know, smile and dial, as they say. So, you know, making a a ton of calls and having really high talk times and stuff. So apartment bartender and just making drinks at home and taking pictures. It wasn't, I wasn't going down the route of being a photographer and I wasn't going down the route of wanting to be a bartender. I was going down the route of just having a way to express some creativity um you know I thought it was cool I thought it was fun you know it was it was kind of becoming a social thing where like my friends would come over to the apartment and I would make drinks you know and a bit it of escapism became, right
5: like oh it's, for sure of, like getting away from your you know, I think I think a lot of what what cocktails and mix all of and just you know in and, and food to a certain extent you know it's it's all about escapism so like mm-hmm. that's that's why the, the happy hours at the end of the day at the work day you know it's like trying to get away from like what you just went through with the right. like, tech sales and the the yelp uh account management and everything it's like you you really fucking needed it <laughs> like i can't Absolutely. i can't even imagine um but yeah like that gave you not only like the escapism but like you started getting on the creative side of it. What was like, what was one of the first cocktails that kind of like,
7: like, or the first cocktail that really just like hit that light switch for you? Uh, definitely an old fashioned for sure. Cause okay. when I took the class in New York, <clears throat> I want to say it was at Astor wine and spirits. Um, but yeah, who was teaching it was, uh, April Wachtel. Um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. she was teaching that class and we, we ended up connecting later on uh after she had started her brand and stuff and that was a cool for full circle moment for I me mean, we can dive into but um it was definitely an old-fashioned because at that thing she had served a negroni as the welcome drink and i remember that was my first time ever having a negroni and i was like this tastes like shit <laughs> <laughs> honestly at a, at a cocktails Girl, 101
6: gonna... class to be ballsy enough to serve a negroni as the welcome drink
7: is uh yeah
6: uh way to go april yeah,
7: yeah. <laughs> you know, and i later learned like you know negroni is like a gateway drink right into like a lot of other different things oh, just yeah, for sure expanding your palate um but uh yeah an old-fashioned i remember because i've been from chicago originally my mom uh she lived over by logan square in chicago and so billy sunday mm-hmm. uh, i remember flying to chicago after i took that class and not long after i was flying to chicago and i had picked up my first imbibe magazine and they were doing a feature of like best bars around Chicago. And so I remember Billy Sunday was on that list. I looked it up and it was right by my mom's spot. And so I went in there and uh yeah, when I was watching them make the old fashioned, that was the first time I ever saw clear ice. They had this fat cube, um, chipped it a little bit. And then I remember, I still remember the recipe. They had bourbon, they did some bitters, they did zuco ribarbo, uh hibarbro and um a little bit of water and uh, yeah, the bartender had had was super dope and to taught me about bitters, like dashed them on the back of my hand and was like kind of walking me through this process um, of like how they made this drink and what these are and stuff. And that was a light bulb moment for me. Um, and it was cool because my mom was actually there with me. She had, uh, we had, we had gone there together. And as I was getting into this, you know, my mom was just more so uh, at that time, like, you know, not familiar with the world of spirits, neither really was I. And so when she saw the bartender, his name was Steven, when she saw him like nerding out on this, you know, I think that was a really cool moment for her to see, uh, you know, the, the, the things that I was starting to become passionate about because it was, you know, it, it, along that same timeline too, like brands started reaching out. Like I remember there was a fig vodka named Figenza that had reached out. Um, and so like all these things were starting to happen at once around alcohol. And I think like, you know, in the beginning, there's like this stigma around like, just don't be an alcoholic, but it's like, well, the craft is a lot different than like binge drinking. Right. So, right. um, you know, all that to say back to your question, an old fashioned was that that drink that like sparked it for me, and, um, and it's it's a wonder. great springboard drink too. You know, because it's it, you know they,
5: they say it's the grandfather of cocktails and whatnot, and you know it's endlessly riffable, right? So like, there's yeah, there's so many valuable. different ways. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to to make an old fashioned. I mean, so many different ways to use those ingredients in a lot of different ways, just like the Negroni. You know, um, right. Phil Ward would say it's like Mr. Potato Head. Sometimes, you know, like putting in like ingredients for like ingredients, or maybe switching them up uh, fully. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't. I, to me, the, the my my first one was like a Manhattan, which is like very you know it's a close cousin to the Old fashioned and also endlessly riffable too. You know, and I think there's something about that, like. When, if you if you would have said, like, an aviation or something like that, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty yeah. specific. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. where do you go with
6: that? Tempers. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it My makes sense. I, I remember yeah. after
7: I had gone back home and I bought a bunch of booze that I knew nothing about, and I had picked up, like, creme de violette because, uh, mm. you know, I yeah. like, looked up, like, top cocktails you should know how to make, and it was on that list, and I picked it up, and I think I used it. Like, I used, like, a half ounce of it and never used it again because, you know <laughs> – Did did Yelp make that list? Probably. Hearst Ranch,
2: in collaboration with Whole Foods Market, is proud to be the presenting sponsor of The Farm Report, a special HRN series in collaboration with the National Young Farmers Coalition. Tune in each week to hear from farmers, policymakers, organizers, and food advocates about all the ways the Farm Bill directly impacts our lives, whether we realize it or not. They'll break down farm policy and talk to young farmers about what hangs in the balance for them as another farm bill gets made. Join the coalition to shift power and change policy for the next generation of growers and land stewards. The future of good food depends on it. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our Heritage and Traditions, Master Cheesemaker Program, and the American Propensity for Innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, Get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at WisconsinCheese.com.
1: The world is changing faster than ever and you need a website to go with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking to build your following or just starting out with a brand new idea,
4: you need a landing page that's bold, innovative, and uniquely yours. Whatever your passion, you need a web designer with experience, panache, and heart. We can't help you with any of that. Hi, I'm Lou Bank. And I'm
1: Greg Benson. Are we Silicon Valley tech visionaries? No, we're podcast hosts,
4: and that's basically the same thing and we're here to tell you about Ancestral Agave Syrup. Ancestral Agave Syrup is the 100% pure nectar of the agave plant. Now, wait a minute, you're thinking. I've had 100% pure agave nectar. Well, not like this, you haven't. That stuff is processed with a diffuser, which introduces acid.
1: Plus, it comes from Blue Weber, a monoculture that dominates farms, depletes the soil,
4: and won't help you grow your brand or expand your e-commerce functionality. Ancestral agave syrup, on the other hand, is made by slowly cooking down the pure miel from salmiana agaves in Hidalgo and Tlaxcala, two states that have been harvesting those plants for generations. It also won't expand your e-commerce functionality, but it will grow your brand, if your brand is a person who makes kick-ass margaritas, or pecan pies, or pancakes.
1: Unfortunately, the families behind this tasty stuff are being offered big beer company bucks to rip out their agave and plant barley instead. Which would be a crime, because Ancestral Agave Syrup is about as far from the processed stuff as 100% pure
4: Vermont maple syrup is from that sticky bottle at a diner. So, don't build a homepage from one of several easy-to-use templates, but do grab Ancestral Agave Syrup. Today, our first 25 customers will also receive a special limited edition Agave superhero comic book. So do not wait. Protect the land make better drinks, and save the bats by grabbing some today. Go to... Wait, what was that about bats? Uh, Yeah, it's an important food source on the migration path of the Mexican long-nosed bat. Huh. Yeah, the flowering stalks of the agave also provide protection from predators. Oh, that's cool. Should we get back to the ad now? Yeah, let's do that. Go to ancestralagave.com or... Click the link in the show notes to grab some today.
1: Ancestral agave syrup. It won't help you build a beautiful website, but it will make your cocktails taste really, really good.
6: Listen, you touched on being reached out to by brands, and, and I, I want to talk to you about um, personal branding of yourself in this sort of niche of the of the, the market. And, and you know, I think um, I, I tend to ask the questions about sort of business, and mm-hmm. given that being a cocktail. Uh, creator slash influencer is still such a new part of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you, how did you go from, well, I'm working this tech job and taking photos and, and logging my um, recipes on, on social media to now this is my job. You know, mm-hmm. like I think our listener would be curious to know, like how, how can someone take this thing and make it into their, their job? Cause walking yeah. into a bar and applying for a job is one thing creating an entire universe to make it your own job is an entirely mm. different thing. Right.
7: Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, I feel like I I have to pay homage to the fact that most of it happened by complete accident. You know, I think it was like a cocktail, if you will, of like skills that I feel like I, I learned, right. There's like the home bartending aspect of it. Um, the photography certainly helped. Like when I was in Phoenix, um and I think being in sales and just being, you know, an extrovert and being uh someone to like navigate relationships and like wanting to like connect with people, you know, I was I was that person that would talk to the bartender, you know, and so in Phoenix I I uh I went to this bar in Scottsdale quite a bit called Counterintuitive um owned by Jason Asher at the time and he uh, he went on he's done like some other stuff I'm sure you guys are familiar with Jason but yeah, uh sure. I was working at his or I was just going to his spot a lot. And I remember as I was getting into photography, I had offered just to do some free shoots. I was like, I just would love to take photos. Um, and then that developed into, hey, you know, we need someone to run our social media. Um, so then there was like, I was learning about menu development and, and recipe development and all this stuff from them. But I was also like photographing their drinks and their new menus um, I was running their social media, they had just launched undertow. And so I started running social media for undertow and doing fo- photos for them. And then, um, you know, I had my website. So I think it was just a number of things put together consistently over a period of time that, you know, I think created this universe, like you had mentioned Souther of like, uh, I think people just came to expect recipes, they came to expect you know, approachable recipes, especially. And that's always been my thing um, because I, I think how how people go about creating drinks for bars and restaurants is a lot different than how people might go about creating them at home, just with what we have available at local grocery stores and stuff. Um, and so, you know, for me, I think the branding aspect, like I said, kind of happened on accident where even the name apartment bartender was something that a, a buddy kind of said, you know, my, my thing in the beginning, I remember I was after a night of one too many Negronis. I was like, I don't know why I call myself a home bartender. I live in a shitty apartment. And he's like, dude, you're an apartment bartender. So <laughs> it, was like, it was a dude, where's your, where's my car moment, you know, of like, this is what you are. And so the name stuck. And I think for me, I, I fall back on my content. You know, that's, I think that's what has, been unique, like even with the book, you know, being able to produce that content. Um, you know, I have a creative studio, and like behind the scenes, like I do a lot of content for brands, and that's always been something that I really love is just telling stories visually and and taking these ideas and bringing them to life. And that, you know, that's always been something that I've been able to navigate the industry and offer. You know, because I, you know, in, in terms of my drinks, like you know, people like you, like I, I. Highly admire what you guys do. And I realize the distinction between what I do and what you guys do. You know, so, you know, not long ago, I thought a Negroni tasted like shit, you know. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to walk into a bar and be like, hey, let me teach you guys how to do drinks, you know. But I can walk into a spot and be like, I can create um, something from scratch if you just tell me kind of what your idea is um, in terms of content. Um, and I think that's what's kind of separated and allowed me to brand myself. Well, speaking What's of doing drinks,
5: we, we should talk about the – the. Uh, actually, so you go ahead. I, I, I wanted to talk about this book, you know, like talking. Yeah, about Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to the book but, for
6: sure. We have, yeah, we have go, a good go amount of time. <clears throat> I was going to say, <clears throat> how does that like track for scalability? Because when I say I want to open a bar, which I do quite often apparently, um, <laughs> when I say I want to open a bar, it's not just me. You know what I mean? I've got, I've got to hire, uh, uh, bartenders. I've got to hire maybe kitchen staff. I've got to, I've got to figure, you know, I've got to negotiate rent. I've got to get insurance. I've got to set up accounts. Like are, is apartment bartender simply Elliot Clark? Do you have even one assistant working for you? Like, how does that, because that scalability sounds amazing because that's all one person that the revenue is going through. So profitability must be high.
7: Right. Yeah. Elliot Clark, uh, so apartment bartender is me. I do have an assistant. Um, but the studio is not just me. I have a business partner and then I have like a small production team that I work with quite a bit. Like in the beginning, when I would do brand projects, you know, I wanted to wear all hats. I kind of call my I, I I had, you know, I realized at one point I was kind of like the nutty professor, right? It's like same actor playing like 10 different roles. Um, <laughs> and I and I wanted to do that. I wanted to be the one that like Did the video and edit it and then shot the photos and edited them and delivered to the client and did all that stuff and then was the model and I was doing all that stuff. And, um, you know, in so many ways, brands were looking to people like me in the space to kind of advise on how are people... Uh, what resonates with people in terms of content and stuff. So they were kind of taking our lead um, with with what we thought looked cool. Um, and over time, like now with productions, for example, like I don't, uh, I'm not the one like taking the photos or the videos, I'm kind of like more the producer and director of those things. Um, so it just kind of depends on the budgets that we have to work with and like the team that I can build out with it. Um, but to your point, there like scalability is something that, I've been like wrestling with for several years now, especially after becoming a dad, because my time is, is really spread thin. And if I have to choose between being home with my son and my family, or, you know, taking on as many projects as possible, it's just not, you know, that's an easy choice. You know, for me, I want to be home and, and, and be present. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how do you, how do I scale beyond this? Because apartment bartender, as much as I wanted it to be a brand similar to like, a you know, the first one that comes to mind is like a cocktail kingdom, right? Like they have products and they have this stuff and it represents something premium in the industry. You know, I've wanted apartment bartender to kind of go that route, but I just keep getting pulled back into the fact that I realize apartment bartender is probably just a person. It's a personality mm-hmm. brand. And so maybe the way to scale that is, you know, I, I don't know. That's always been something I struggle with because you can't really scale your time right? Right. You you can only be in one place at one time. So, you know, there's definitely a cap in terms of like profitability and stuff, unless I have product or a team, you know, I was talking with a buddy the other day and he said like, you either really can go the product route or you can go the media route or a mix of both, but doing what you're doing now, like I would say that I've hit my ceiling because, you know, the way to scale is take on more brand partnerships, which I don't want to do that. I want to be more selective about the brand partnerships that I take on. So, you know, scalability. No, no, no
6: more, no more fig vodka for you. <laughs>
7: no more fig vodka. Yeah, for me. <laughs> but
6: also,
5: like, don't you get into like, like, legal constraints with like non-competes and non-disclosures if you're like within like like categories and you know, yeah. right? I mean, like, so it's like you, there really is a ceiling on what you can actually what you There's can. There's little take handcuffing. On. Mm-hmm. yeah
7: yeah. there's definitely exclusivity in the contracts like if you're working with uh you know a bourbon brand you know i because my primary niche is in the spirits and cocktails space like you know i will usually negotiate the exclusivity to just be to bourbon right so like if i'm working with the scotch whiskey brand i see that as different um in different applications right. and so yeah. usually respect that however like if you know, I'm working with a uh, a grocery store brand um, in the Midwest, you know, which is going to take me out to Des Moines. uh, Um, You know, with that comes like, okay, if you're working with us, you know, we don't want you to work with, you know, the other grocery store chains, national chains and stuff. So, you know, there's compensation that allows you to feel comfortable turning down those opportunities that come in because you have, person so like they're mindful of that as well you just have to you just have to ask for it you know usually well right. speaking
6: of products you um you've created a book right mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a product that you can create that still stays true to the to the brand that you're you're envisioning and, and creating as well so uh yeah um <laughs> let's do drinks is the name of the book uh, it's uh, up for pre-order now it'll be out in early april is that correct
7: Yeah, April sixteenth.
6: And so, how did this process even get started? I want to talk to you about the process of writing the book, but I also want to talk to you like, how did it get started? Did you pitch a book? Did someone come to you? Because full disclosure, your book is out on the same um, uh, by the same publisher as my book, Topics Media Lab, right? And your editor, uh, one of your editors, was Jeff Ashworth. He was my editor and and my longtime friend as well. So we've got some crossover there.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the book um, they had reached out to me uh, at the excuse me towards the end of twenty twenty two. Um, writing a book is something I've always wanted to do. And even when I was younger, you know, my mom was always like, you're going to write a book someday. Cause I was that kid, you know, doing random creative writing and stuff. And I've always enjoyed it. Um, I never thought it was going to be a cocktail book, but you know, I've had, I've had uh, publishers reach out over the years. My experience is that um, I think they started, publishers started leaning into people that kind of had a community and audience already, um, especially on social media. So you see a lot of you know, social media creatives having books and stuff. I always experienced when they would reach out that they wanted me to write the book they wanted me to write, you mm-hmm. know, it so would kind of come and they'd say like, hey, we have this book or we have this book already written. We want you just to like co-sign it in a sense. And so it's going to be co-authored. Um, and I never really liked that approach. I just wanted to do something a little bit more uh, tailored to what I wanted to do. And when Topics Media Lab reached out, they really allowed me that flexibility. Um, In the beginning, they actually, I think they had a perception of what apartment bartender was, you know, they're like, we want to make a small book for small apartments in New York City, like kind of like small, that small apartment, small book that you can keep on your bar cart and you can have it. And it's, you know, and I told them, like, I actually grew up in Phoenix and a a small apartment in Phoenix is a massive apartment in New York. So I'm like, you know, whether, whether you have a small apartment or you have a big ranch house in Texas, like the, 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 the do's and don'ts of making a drink are the same, right? I think a great drink experience at home is not measured in square footage. You know, I think it's just more about the intentionality that you put into it. And so I think they liked that approach. And so they had allowed me to do an outline and so, you know, the first several months was kind of, I guess, in a sense, pitching them on like what my idea would be for a book um, if we weren't going to go with their original proposed one. And, uh, you know, they they helped me through that process. Jeff was awesome in terms of just kind of helping me to understand how people think about books, you know, when even when they're like, what is a proposed title? And I'm like, apartment bartender. And they're like, well, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff was like, well, he's like people that live in homes aren't going to buy a book that says apartment bartender because they live in a house. He's like, if that's silly to you, he's like, people are silly. So like, that's just how it is. And then also too, if it says bartender, if people don't resonate and see themselves as bartenders, they're going to feel intimidated by that. So, you know, they, when they proposed let's do drinks at first, I was like, man, that is so basic. Like I didn't, I didn't (laughs) like it at first and then i sat with it more and i'm like okay yeah I, I i could see this and we we worked through that so you know it was a really mutual process um and just i really enjoyed you know working with them and and the way that they helped me shape my idea but also respected you know the contribution that i had to it and i really liked the fact that they had uh you know the fact that they had worked with you and published your books so other was something that was like a selling point for me of working with them because you know, I've always respected you know you and what you do and and how you do it. And the Mori Margot is like one of my favorite spots. And so you know, it's it's uh, it was really cool. And I, I think that was a big selling point and a, a point of respect that I that I had for them um, that made me want to. And then I saw your book. They like sent the book to. Uh, I, I think I bought the book actually from you when you came to Denver and you did that yeah. uh, tomorrow class. But um, they had shown me the book and I really loved it and you know, to your point earlier about how they were like, pull out a couple books that really look good to you and what you would want it to be. They also allowed me to do that Um and show them like kind of how I envisioned this coming out and they respected that. So yeah, it was a, it was a really cool process of just working with them and that's kind of how it came to be. And then just wrote it all last year and uh, got my first advanced copy in December.
6: Right. And then you did, you did obviously, since that's kind of your, your, niche you did all the photography for the book as well right
7: yeah so me and uh sean campbell uh gotta show love to to my business partner and and brother and best friend he uh he shot i would say 85 percent of the cocktails in the book because i was behind the counter making them shot them all in my house uh over a lot of a lot of different days um yeah (laughs) I i shot it in the kitchen so that was that was funny just having like baby toys and toddler toys on one side of the counter and just like loads of alcohol <laughs> and alcohol ingredients on the other side. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, some of the photos in the book are like photos from travels. So like I have a section on a breakdown on spirits. So I go through like, you know, brandy and whiskey and scotch and, 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 uh, or gin and vodka and different stuff. So I was able to incorporate photos from travels over the years, um, and stuff. So yeah, Sean Campbell and I shot the book, uh, and did all the writing, so yeah, I'm I'm very very proud of it. It's 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 a it's something that I I feel proud of that I can check off you know the goals list, but also like kind of leave my I see it as like you know people write like Elliot was here, right? I I see that yeah. as me right, like Elliot was here on the on the walls of the spirits and cocktail industry um, versus just just saying like I'm an Instagrammer. You know that's always been something that I wanted to kind of get away from Uh, or just an influencer, I wanted to, you know, be able to say, like, I'm an author. And I think that's here to stay. So I'm proud of that. That Totally. And I'd
1: I'd love to hear a little more about because we were talking about kind of building your own personal brand, which is just it, it sounds like you and I are in the same place about this. I've never been comfortable about just the idea of myself as a brand. Because like, I loved your nutty professor analogy of like, I'm not just one thing. Like, I'm not just a cocktail guy. Like, I have if you follow me on social media, like I have a lot of thoughts about commercials and politics and like other shit that like i like posting about but it doesn't it's not in service of the greg benson brand essentially and there is a a a weirdly alienating thing that comes when you have to kind of like put yourself or some part of your personality into a box that is for sale essentially Mm -hmm. And so I'd, I'd love to know, because it sounds like this is such a, a, a personal project that you're very proud of. I'd love to know kind of what part of you, what part of Elliot you felt was kind of the essential secret
7: sauce in in writing this book. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, hold on one second.
3: Sorry.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Come here. This is Elijah. Say hi. hi Elijah.
3: Elijah. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> you definitely a so that's for sure.
7: All right, bye, buddy. Bye. 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 You, <laughs> I heard like footsteps going down. I'm like, oh gosh. So I'm sorry. That last <laughs> question. <I was> like, <laughs> we
5: can we can edit this in post, or we can keep yeah, it. Um, just leave it in. Yeah, yeah leave it in. Why not? <laughs>
6: no, the question was uh, Greg was asking you, like, what's it like to have to kind of force a part of yourself into the box that is for sale that that is your brand right. when when all of us are a multitude of things. We're not all just one thing. You're not just. Uh, you know, a photographer or a creator, yeah. you're, you're, you know, an author, you're, you've got, a, you're a father, you're like, how do you? Yeah.
1: yeah but, then, but then also, like, how did you stick that dismount with the book that you've got out in, yeah. in a way that you feel, you know, proud of it, and that it reflects something that's genuinely you and not just kind of a, a weird parody of yourself?
7: Right. Um, I struggle with that, actually, like, because I feel like in some ways, apartment bartender has been limiting in terms of the other aspects of who I am and what I do and i think um you know that's why i say like apartment bartender i've kind of put it into a good place in my head now where i'm like it's a personality it's it's you know the the drink side of of what i do it's the creative side of what i do but i also do other stuff that i haven't really leaned that much into like the studio that i have is going to be that and so i kind of broke off you know the apartment if you will i've always felt like for me personally like apartment bartender is the person that makes drinks in the apartment, but I've always thought that like, what is the apartment? Right. And so that's where I'm at in my, in my creative endeavors of like defining what that is, because I feel like that's different. Um, but I struggle with that, you know, is like, I do all these other things that people don't know that I do. And especially if you're, if you're wanting to monetize those things in some aspects, right? Like you need to find like your client base, or your customer base, or your audience there. Um, Other things that I do, you know, don't connect to money or or like a professional sense at all. It might be like being a dad, being a friend, being a brother, being, you know, a partner and stuff. So, um, but in terms of how I reflect what I do on social media or on digital, on websites and stuff like that, like that is hard because it's hard to scale and it's hard to reflect everything because I can't do it all. You know, I can't, I can't build websites for every single thing, run those things build social channels for those things. So I feel like kind of to what you guys are doing with this podcast, you know, that's, that's where my brain's at next is creating different social media channels or creating different, you know, uh, media outlets that allow me to express other aspects of what I do and who I am um, in a way that you can't on Instagram, right? YouTube is better at longer form content. So like starting a YouTube channel is, kind of like what's next or leaning more into a, a newsletter or leaning more into that. So I guess just like taking advantage of different um, different digital channels and taking advantage of different ways in which to communicate. But, you know, right now the primary audience that I have is on Instagram. So, you know, it, it's, it's hard to squeeze in everything that you do into a platform where people have like the attention span of a grape, right? It's like you have one <laughs> second to tell them what you do and who you are. And then they're like, fucking next, you know? And so that's, Wait, what? yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I've realized it's not, it's not me. It's, it's the platform. And it's like, if, if, if you're trying to communicate who you are and what you do in a platform where people really aren't looking for that, um, you're always going to be frustrated. So I think finding the right platforms is, is really important. That's where I'm at right now.
1: Well, and that's so hard in the influencer scape
7: now, too, because the influencer scape is so built around
1: building these hyper niche mm-hmm. like mile deep inch wide uh, communities that are into these like extremely fractured specific things. And by the way, that's not built for humans. That's built in service of the platform. So the platform can mine your data and sell you shit. We don't want it that way. We just don't have a choice because I didn't build Instagram. So I don't have any say in how it works. Um, And for that matter, neither did the people who actually built it because they got bought out 10 years ago. So I'm sure they're fine. Um, But you know, it's, it's this, I swear to God, guys, this is going to circle back, but I was watching a movie the other day that set 45,000 years in the past, and there was one character in there whose job was just, like, the story keeper, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, what a cool job that would be to just be able to, like, yes, I keep the legends, I keep the stories, I keep everybody, you know informed and entertained and on the same page about like this is why we are here in this place this is why we don't eat this one particular berry you know and it's wild that you can't just be an all-around storyteller anymore and be like today i want to tell a story about negronis but tomorrow i might want to tell a story about i don't know taylor swift and travis kelsey whatever is happening so it's it's so tough as nuanced, complex human beings to like, be like, okay, I'm going to devote a huge chunk of my public facing persona that has my face on it to this one specific thing, you know?
7: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think not only do we often get put in a box, but I feel like when you see success and you get validation in one area of your life, I feel like it's more the internal struggle of like, people don't want to see me do other stuff. They just want to see me they just want to see me make drinks, right? They just want to see me do this. And if I do something else, then they're going to unfollow me, they're going to leave it, I'm going to like lose this. And to me, it's like, it's this thing that I think artists and creatives and just people in general do is like you start the thing that you did that received praise, become you kind of become a slave to it in a way because you don't want to lose, not necessarily the praise, but like, the validation of what you're doing and the success of what you're doing, or especially if brands start getting a hold of it, you know, they want to, you know, like brands see me as like apartment bartender in so many ways. Right. So I've always thought about like, what if I just switched my stuff just to my name where it's not limited to just drinks and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, but I have brand partnerships that I'm like, maybe I would need to run that by them first. Um, You know, so I think you kind of get stuck in this thing that, you know, people will only want to see me do this one thing. And so I'm going to stay doing this one thing and it kind of kills you, your joy for it a little bit inside. And so, you know, I feel like sometimes it's just throwing shit out of wall and seeing what sticks and seeing how people react. You know, I think, you know, if you want to talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, the next day after you talked about Negroni is like, you know, I'm in a phase of my life where i might like, just do it and see what happens. You know, have a, yeah. have a Negroni. About Chavez, yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah, I think the frustration that I can kind of hear in your voice is that you got into this because you were a creative. You use the word over and over, creative. Um, but then you're kind of told by your audience keep doing the same thing. That's not creative,
7: <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And I and I think honestly, told by them, I think appreciated by them. But I think like you project that internal insecurity onto your audience because mm-hmm. you don't always know who you're talking to, right? Like you know, having 80,000 followers, like doesn't mean that you know who they are and what they right. like or why they chose to follow you. Right. So you just kind of think over time, like that's what they, this is what they want to see. Right. Or in your bar, like you serve tomorrow and you serve a lot of different things, but like, let's say tomorrow you're like, you know what, we're no longer that we're a burger shop. Like you're going to have some disconnect with your audience who like came to understand you as one thing. And Mm -hmm. now there's going to be a transition of like, now this is also what we do and who we are and what I'm passionate about. So, you know, I think, I think there's, there's, you know, I don't fully understand that transition yet. You know, I've been doing what I'm doing for now this year will be nine years. So, you know, I've changed a lot. My passions have changed a lot. Um, You know, so I'm I'm kind of very much in that phase and I'm, I'm glad the book's out because it's kind of like, hey, this is my view and my brain on drinks and this is like a culmination of my story. And now I feel like able to go venture on and see what else, you know, what yeah. else I do. It's like a timestamp
5: that allows you to move on through time, right? right. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely. like checking off a box in a way, but also it allows you to write the next one. That's, right. it's like, I feel like a lot of times your, your first book that comes out, it's kind of like, all right, here's like the bio or like, right. here's like my, my thumbprint, you know? And then it's like, all right, but guess what? Now I can write this book. That's completely all about Mescal or whatever, or about Taylor yeah. Swift and, and Kelsey, you know, and, and, right. and Negroni's with, you know, and, and Negroni is actually Kansas city chief color. So it makes sense. Um, yeah. So maybe that's our next podcast is Negroni's
1: and yeah Tra- is our guest next week by the way guys yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: Perfect. but to be fair i want to say i want to call out something you said if if Amor and margo turned into a burger shop um i would definitely go there because southern has this thing where he only eats so many burgers a year um uh he used to only eat four a year uh, i think he went a whole year without eating a burger but um i'm actually going to be in town next week can we have a burger together southern let's get a burger Okay, I haven't cool. had one this year, uh, but, but let's, uh, back to the book. I mean, so with, with this book, uh, let's do drinks. Do you like, I know it's coming out and you said April 16 is when yeah. it's the launch date. Um, are you going to be doing, I mean, cause you, you tend to travel a
7: lot. Are you going to be out there like promoting the book out on the road? Yeah, most definitely. Like I, uh, I want to do a book tour. I'd love to do one in New York. I want to do one in Chicago, Phoenix, LA, and Denver. Those are like the five cities that I feel like I have, um, the most roots in. Um, and so now just starts like the details of like sorting that, sorting that out. So, um, hopefully if all works out too, like I'll be in New York promoting the book on, uh, GMA three, which will be really cool. So like I, 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 you know, my brain has been kind of gearing up for, for all things book, um, starting next month and the, and, and for the rest of the year. So, uh, yeah, I would love to, to do a tour and, and, uh, you know, hustle, hustle the book.
6: Come sign some of the Maury Martins. Yeah. Let's
7: do it. Awesome. I also, I also want to
1: ask, as we're looking into the future here, kind of, you know, it sounds, it sounds to me like you're sort of in, um, I was trying to think of a, 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 a cuddlier animal than like a snake or a crab or something, but it seems like you're kind of at the phase where you can feel like your your the current skin you're in might be getting a little tight and you're almost ready to kind right. of like molt and move on. Like I, what, what would you, what would you want to do next? What form would you want to take after this?
7: Yeah. Great question. Um, So the studio that I have uh, out here where we've been in the process of building it, it's kind of funny because I started, I got the studio, me and Sean got the studio at the end of 2022. At the same time, I signed like the the book contract. And uh, all last year, it's kind of a funny story. We ended up doing some demo in the space. Uh, It was non-structural stuff. But here in Arvada, as I'm sure probably in New York and most other places, like we needed a permit to do some of the shit that we did. So we just kind of started knocking out knocking out walls and then uh, ran into some issues with the city. And then that created like a whole chain of events of like the commercial space process. Uh, is it and- a
1: house or an apartment? I don't, it's some right. nether space in
7: between. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? You can't do
6: that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They're not what happy is when you for take that? down walls.
7: <laughs> you know? And so uh, yeah, it's been a year uh, and we're about to open in like a few weeks. And so I think that's the next iteration. Like we're, we're doing consult, I'm um, like consulting content production and private gatherings. So it's a really awesome space, 2000 square feet, um, and just a, a, a zone to be able to kind of express some creativity. But I'm, I'm also not like putting too many restraints or restrictions on like, Hey, this is what I do now. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of leaving space for myself to explore what's next and, you know, I'm kind of taking this year to focus on the book. Um, you know, I have an awesome project, like I mentioned, with the the brand in the Midwest of Grocery Store. We're going to be doing like an uh, an upscale cocktail show for a platform that they have. Um, and so I'm kind of leaning into those projects and then leaving space for myself to figure out and learn. You know, I, I feel like I have I had been doing so much campaign work and brand work and doing things that I, I kind of stopped exploring other aspects of what I want to do, uh, creatively. And that, that was a really big point of tension for me over the past few years. Also just been leaning into being a dad. Cause my son, as you met, uh, he's going to be three in May. So the first couple of years of his life, you know, it's like, you're, you're just on this wave and you're, you're just going with it, you know, and learning as you go or building the boat in the water. So, you know, I feel like now he's getting to a point where Elijah's getting to a point where he's, you know, might be going to pre-K soon and that stuff. So I feel like things have kind of stabilized in some way, um, you know, with the studio opening and the book coming out and stuff. So I feel like this is going to be a really awesome year for work. I just want to leave space to do that. And and like you said, Greg, you know, shed kind of what was and step into what is. I just, I honestly have no idea kind of what is going to happen with, with this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what well, comes. It. That's, that's the most exciting thing is like not mm-hmm. knowing what's, what's on the
5: runway ahead of you, you know, it, it, and there's always something cool on the horizon mm-hmm. and you know, I, like, I can't wait to get into the book. Um, I'm really excited for you, man. And it, like, it, this has just been like a really great conversation, like to, to really hear is. from like a different side of the, the industry, which there are many sides of. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, to, to hear your story about getting into it in a, a, a different way than like from behind the bar. It's really cool. Yeah. It's been it. awesome having you on the show today, Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I know we're at time right now. So uh, the thing is, like I said before, it's like, what's next. It's like, come back on the show and talk yeah. to yeah. us about the next thing you're doing. Yeah. But, uh, I, I know we're at time now. So uh, uh, again, I want to say thank you for being on the show today. Yeah. Um, really cool real quickly, I would the, drop in
6: obviously yeah, follow yeah. Elliot at apartment bartender on uh, Instagram. Uh, the book is called let's do drinks let's do and drinks. it's available for pre-order already. So get that done. <laughs> so you'll arrive by mid April and you'll have the book in your hand.
7: Appreciate yeah.
5: that. And yeah, I, w- you know, we sell books at my bar at grand army. Uh, so we would love to carry your book as well. Yeah. Also that's, that being that's said, uh, I'll be in New York this week. Uh, I'll be hanging around grand army. Um, I get in this weekend uh, and we'll be around through the rest of the week. I'll actually be in the studio with you guys. That's right. For the first time in like four years. Yeah. In the studio That's doing the speakeasy great. with Heritage Radio Network. And, and on pizza. that note, let's uh, have some pizza and a burger. Yeah. <laughs> let's do both. <laughs> Very jealous. But thanks again, Elliot Clark, for being on the show. Let's Do Drinks is the name of the book. I uh, check them out on all social media platforms, which is Apartment Bartender. Um and check out Heritage Radio Network for more programs like this one. Click on the being hard to donate to the station. And until next week, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.
1: cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org Radio slash
4: subscribe.